Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We have got a bunch of names to talk about today as we look at our favorite late-round picks as of May 18th. We're looking at players being drafted in rounds 9, 10, 11, 9 and later. I just say round 9 or later. And that would be pick 97 or later in a 12-team league. Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard here today. And, yeah, we got – yesterday we did the mid-round picks, rounds 5 through 8. Today, round 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. How many rounds do you like? Give me – you set up a league, and let's say kickers and defenses are, are, are part of it, kickers and DSCs. How many rounds are typical draft, Jamie? You do set up league like every day. How many rounds are we going? Uh, if you're including kickers and defenses, I would say 16. You know, that gives you a starting lineup of eight players, uh, minus kicker and defense, so 10 players total, and then six reserves. Okay, six bench spots. I guess that's probably what I should have asked. Six, Dave, you like signing off on six bench spots? I'm good with six. I like seven better because I like to stash players. How about, can we agree to, and this is how it really should be, six bench spots and three IR spots. I would say at this point, two IR spots is probably suitable, but yeah, IR spots should definitely be included. Should there be but a not limit? included in the six bench spots? Correct. Yes. Sh- should there be a limit on IR spots? Yeah, so I'd say two. You know, I, I think it gives you the opportunity, and and you know, if you play in keeper leagues, if you want to do, obviously dynasty these are included, but if you want to do a, a taxi squad spot, I don't think that's a bad idea. Also, just to allow the opportunity to maybe stash a player that you will never use, mostly a rookie. Um, but you know, I, I think there there should be a little bit more flexibility with those scenarios. But I think if you're just doing a regular redraft league, two IR spots are, are more than suitable. Isn't that an outdated term, taxi squad? Like, shouldn't we call it an Uber squad? Or- <laughs> Ride yeah. share. Well, yeah, it's like we had this conversation a, um, a few weeks ago about you know when you say um, in a, in a phone booth. Oh yeah. And I told I, I told Adam I think more yeah. more appropriate at this point is like in an elevator. You know things yeah. that are still. Relatively confined spaces, but not outdated. <laughs> yeah, in a phone, like, an elevator is a little big. Maybe like in a napping pod at your office at Google or something like that. You know, they have because those. everybody has those. Yeah, yeah, I do know a guy. I, I just got one here. He has that. <laughs> I have one all the time. It's called home. <laughs> yeah, right. It's for us that work at home. I have several napping pods. Uh, all right. So the first, so so you guys gave me. We looked at this Fantasy Pros average draft position, and. We have, a, I don't know, 20, 20 names maybe. we got a lot of players here, maybe more than that. We'll go through them. I'll ask you guys for your, your reasonable expectation and then the best-case scenario for these players and why you like them in the late rounds. There are a lot of players. One thought I had, though, I want to know what you guys think of this. Last year's scoring was down, and a lot of mid-round picks just, just didn't work. I mean, we could talk about the wide receivers not working, and they usually do in rounds four through six, whatever, but it was just... Offense was just down. Quarterbacks were busts in that range and whatnot. And um, I don't know when I've been doing these drafts or looking at the drafts that you guys did last week. I don't. I don't see. I don't feel a huge, huge difference in round nine picks and round six, seven picks. I, I don't. You know, it almost feels like the talent has leveled off, or maybe I'm just really excited about the late round picks. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but um, did you get? Did you feel that way at all? That it's kind of less separation between mid-round picks and late-round picks than in the past? I think it comes down to probably how your leagues are, and our leagues are a little bit skewed because of when quarterbacks and tight ends will most likely go. And so when you start to see those guys, I think, in those mid-round picks, you know, because we're going to see more quarterbacks get pushed up. So like yesterday, we did a super flex draft, and it's, I don't think, as indicative about how most, you know, regular one quarterback drafts are going to go, but all the quarterbacks were clearly pushed up, you know, so we had nine quarterbacks go in the first round. So figure that's probably going to happen in the first three to four rounds in a lot of drafts this year, where you're going to see probably six or seven, maybe eight or nine quarterbacks go in that range. 
Uh, but typically what we see in the mid rounds of our drafts, which is the ones that we're, we're looking at now, is that's when the quarterbacks start to go. So that sort of separates, I think, a little bit of the, the, the talent of tiers, you know, in, in certain cases. But I, I think to your, your, your point, Adam, mostly at the receiver position, but maybe at some of these dart throw running backs, when you start to say, okay, flex running backs or lottery ticket running backs, like they kind of are merging a little bit, you know, in terms of how these running back tandems and committees are setting up. And then the receivers, when you're starting to talk about the number three receivers on a team or in, in the case of number three receivers for fantasy, they're starting to, you know, be merged a little bit with how, you know, like the, the Michael Pittmans are getting pushed down. The Bucks receivers are getting pushed down. Maybe the Washington receivers are getting pushed down, you know, so it's sort of, you know, merging with those guys. So, yeah, I, I can see your point where it, it feels a little bit like those guys going in round eight or later are starting to look a little bit look like those guys in rounds five and six to a certain degree. Yeah, perhaps, you know, if, if I'm saying uh, that late round picks are round nine or later, maybe it's more like the guys in round seven and eight are not that much different than the guys around four and five. I mean, is there a big difference between J.K. Dobbins and David Montgomery? Dobbins is round five. Montgomery more like round seven, maybe later, you know, probably around seven. I don't know. Just a thought I had. Maybe something to keep an eye on. Dave, I don't know if you want to comment. If you had no, a strong I mean, opinion, I, move on. I, I just think it's important to have your list of guys that you think can outperform their ADP that you can reliably get after round eight. And that's exactly what we're doing on the show today is finding the guys and the ones who can, you know, you're saying of sleeper can win you weeks. Well, some of these guys might be able to help you win your leagues too. And so going through this list, even now in May, I, I think it's a good exercise to start putting that list together, even if it's just in our minds of guys that we can target with these late round choices. Okay. And, you know, maybe part of it is that we have a lot of backfield uncertainty now. How are, how are the Lions, the Bears, maybe the Eagles, how are they going to shape up? And you've got guys that are probably, if you were drafting right now, would be values, whereas we might have a clearer picture of it in August, and those guys might be ADP risers, and they might be round four, round five picks because they're just winning the job or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Anyway, um, the first two names on the list of the late round picks that you that you like were Zach Charbonnet at 100 and Alvin Kamara at 101. So I'm going to give you a quick stat on on each of these situations or players, and I want you to tell me if they matter. First for Zach Charbonnet. In 2018, Chris Carson was going into his second season, and they the Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny. And he played 14 games, and he had 85 carries. He was third on the team in carries behind Chris Carson, who was a top 16 running back, uh, both per game and overall. And Mike Davis actually outcarried Rashad Penny, and it wasn't even the injuries this time for Penny. Um, so that was the team that was extremely run-heavy, second-most carries in football. Their first-round rookie running back did almost nothing. He was third on the team in carries. Before I let you answer, I should say in the first two weeks of the season, he actually had more carries than Chris Carson. But in week three, Chris Carson had something like 30 carries, and then he basically just won the job. Took uh, over. Yeah, so does does that matter at all as we evaluate this situation with the Seattle backfield? It does, because this is an example of what Pete Carroll's mantra is. One, he, he doesn't care about draft capital once you're in his building. And so if Zach Charbonnet comes to training camp and he looks like a dud and Kenneth Walker's playing great, or how about this? What if Charbonnet looks like a dud, Walker looks like a dud, and it's Kenny McIntosh? who's lighting the world on fire in practice, he's going to go with whichever running back he thinks can help him win now. And you're, the story that you just told about Carson over Rashad Penny, that's a good example. But the best example from Seattle is Russell Wilson being the starting quarterback as a rookie after they paid a ton of money to Matt Flynn to come to Seattle and be there. He's going to play whoever does best in practice. That's how a lot of coaches do it that way. But he is just absolutely known for just going with the best player in his in his building okay uh jamie on alvin Kamara, he has not had a, a run longer than 30 yards in two straight seasons does that mean anything to you does that matter no it's troubling but it doesn't matter if he's falling to this look we know the story with him i mean you know it, this this is not a talent thing you know this is not a situation thing on the field, it's a situation thing off the field, you know? And so that's the only reason he's fallen this far. And, you know, we're drafting him ahead of 
what his most likely ADP is at this point um, and probably have him ranked ahead of where his ADP is at this point. You know, so um, it's troubling that he's had some, you know, down seasons. And I don't think you should view him, even if he avoids a suspension, as the same type of player. But it's uh, it's just if, if you're getting him at this spot, at this point, you're taking a chance on it. That's the only reason I put his name on this. Sure. List. No, I mean, 101. No, like, that doesn't matter. His, his, <laughs> I guess how good he still is doesn't matter if you're getting him at 101. But if we were a third-round pick at this point, we could talk more about it, right? Right. Look, th- this, yeah. is, this, this is the most competition he's going to face. You know, he's had to deal with, you know, usually one and a half guys, you know, before with Taysom Hill being the half. And they didn't bring Jamal Williams in to not use him to whatever capacity, you know. And we've talked about this a lot, especially as Alvin Kamara's passes, receptions have gone down minus Drew Brees. You know, so now if he's losing touchdown opportunities to two guys in Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, it's it's tough, even if he avoids a suspension. If Kendra Miller comes in and does anything that impresses the coaching staff, then it's just another knock against Alvin Kamara. You know, not that he's going to take Kamara off the field for significant stretches, but if it's another guy taking him off the field for any stretches, you know, it's just tough to consider. So I think at this point, you know, Kamara will we'll see where he climbs back up to if there is no suspension. But this is just a guy you're taking a, a, a shot on with the hope that he avoids a suspension. You're doing an early draft and you, you know, you you hit on, you know, I, I'll say a lottery ticket type of guy because we know he'll still be productive in his role. He had a career low 14.1 PPR points per game last year. I I think he could be lower than that this year, but still at this point or even 12 picks higher, shoot, you've got to you have to take the chance on him because you know that he's got some talent left. Camara was the number 19 running back per game in non-PPR, number 13 per game in full PPR. He actually went five straight games to end the season with Fewer than three catches. That's the longest stretch of his career, longest consecutive stretch of his career. Um, had some some very, very down moments in that season, but also some really, really good ones. Um, quest, final question on Kamara. We'll skip him later. Uh, I think we pretty much covered it. When would you draft Alvin Kamara if you were drafting today? I uh, currently have him as a round six pick in full PPR. Yeah, probably one round later for me. Okie dokie. Uh, it is major time on the golf calendar and the first cut podcast has you covered with comprehensive coverage of the PGA championship from Oak Hill country club in New York. Join our first cut podcast crew for daily recaps from Rochester as they follow the sports top stars on their quest for the Wanamaker trophy download and follow the first cut podcast wherever you find this one news and notes. I don't have a single news and note. I'm very excited. This, this bandwagon Panthers fan is very excited for tonight's game. Looking forward to that. Uh, did huh. anybody watch? Did you guys watch the Vanderpump finale yesterday? No. What? <laughs> I know you all want to talk about Scandaval. Hit me up on Twitter. We'll discuss. We'll take a break. When we come back, our favorite late-round picks. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, so the way I want to do this is your your expectations and the best case scenario for each player. And let's get to a lot of them. Jamie, you can start Zach Charbonnet, your expectations and the best case scenario. Best case scenario is uh, he wins a job or there is an injury, uh, which I would not like to see, but he just wins a job over Ken Walker. But if obviously Walker misses any time, Charbonnet will lead running back for Seattle and proves to be better than Walker and does all the things that Pete Carroll wants to do. So expectations are it's a split and we probably see you know a frustrating backfield for a good portion of the season until maybe one of those guys pulls ahead but 
Um, if, if Charbonnet does get the lead role and keeps Ken Walker on the bench, he could be a top 10 running back. Dave, do you see a scenario where drafting Zach Charbonnet 100th overall is just a bad pick that he's just useless and droppable? Of course, because he could go to camp. And, you know, the one thing that we know about Charbonnet is he's not an explosive running back. He doesn't have that top gear like Kenneth Walker has. He's a physical guy. Um, he's 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 got good balance, so he can break tackles and make some guys miss and, and pick up some extra rushing yards that way. I think he's going to contribute immediately on passing downs. I think he's going to be locked into that role. As long as he shows it in training camp, you'll see him potentially have as many as 40 catches this year. But you might also see him with only like 90 carries on top of it. I think if you go into it with the expectation of, all right, maybe he's 10 PPR points on a and a pretty good week. Maybe there's a matchup that we like where he can come in and, and he can pick up some numbers there. And you're hoping that he overtakes Kenneth Walker, like Jamie said, because of injury or because he's just better, maybe just more consistent. Then he's worth it. He's, he's worth, this is the range to get him in. I think in order to move him up into like that round seven range, we're going to have to hear some really good things about him out of Seattle. So this list is a lot of running backs who have opportunities. Uh, Charbonnet, uh, I'll skip Kamara. He doesn't really fit this description, but these guys are maybe backup running yes. backs or maybe number two running back. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, Rashad Penny, A.J. Dillon, Devon A. Chain from Miami, Damian Harris in Buffalo. Uh, I, you know, I would, first of all, uh, would you project Damian Harris real quick to lead the team in carries? Yep. If you were to say everybody's healthy, yes. Khalil Herbert in Chicago. Who has the best chance out of Charbonnet, Pirine, Penny, A-Chain, and let's say Khalil Herbert? Who has the best chance to just win the starting job? Herbert. Herbert. He already has it. I don't know if he already has it. I think he's already got it. When I say starting job, I mean literally he's on the field, first play of the game Mm, for Chicago. That's not what I mean, though. Sorry. Okay, the, so be the lead back. back. Be the lead back. Oh well, then in Undis- that case, Herbert. Undisputed. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll get we'll get to all these guys. But he Jay- won't be a workhorse. He will share. All these guys are going to share. But right, he's but the one that I think run out of that. maybe maybe has the most explosive talent. Fits the offense. Um, there there could be an issue with him as far as getting catches and touchdowns. But if you're looking for 15 carries a game, I think Herbert's going to give it to you. All right, Dave, Jamison Williams, 103rd overall. Your expectations and the best-case scenario, and he will serve a suspension to start the season. Going to go out on a limb and say the first week, six weeks of the season, he's going to absolutely suck. (laughs) And then he's going to come back in week seven against Baltimore, and he's going to absolutely suck. And then week eight, Monday night game against Las Vegas, he cashes in and he goes into the bye week, and you'll be so happy that you took him when you took him because he's got the rest of the season to look forward to a week to keep getting his legs right and a schedule. uh, I haven't really looked at the schedule for the second half of the year for the lions, but they play the bears twice. They've got, uh, they got Minnesota twice. One of them's in week 18 Dallas in week 17. That's going to stink for everybody. That's going to be a tough game for the lions, but I I think that you'll draft him with the hopes that he can be a, a wide receiver three or a flex starter for you. Once he comes back, from that, uh, from that suspension. And the best case scenario for Jamison Williams? Kind of the exact same thing, other except that he like makes a, a star-studded play every week, regardless of the opponent. You know, it's like almost like he has a like a, a Christian Watson like midseason debut. Okay. And you're just okay. at the point where it's like, okay, this guy's got so much upside, I can't sit him because we know he's got potential every time he touches the ball to score, and he's going to touch the ball at least five times. Samaj P. Ryan, Jamie, 107th overall. Expectations and best-case scenario? Best-case scenario is Javante Williams doesn't play for a good portion of the season or certainly at least the you know first six games. And Samaj looks like the lead guy and then holds on to that job for the majority of the year. And we see Javante you know, maybe have a J.K. Dobbins-like struggle you know, even when he's back. He's not playing very well and maybe miss his time again. Expectations would probably be that there's a split and he's playing on third downs and, you know, becomes a borderline flex option if Javante does look like Javante Williams again. Okay. So you're uh, you're drafting him not as someone you're starting as a flex, but, so, well, 
you're drafting him with the with the fairly realistic possibility that Javante Williams misses time. And okay. I'm drafting him as a lottery ticket right now. I'm drafting him with the idea that Javante misses time or does not, you know, return to form and he's the best running back in Denver, which, you know, this is the guy that they went out and targeted and the guy that Sean Payton continues to talk up. But I also understand that Samaj P. Ryan's been a backup for a reason. He's just been very good from a production standpoint whenever he's gotten those opportunities. So, you know, you have to understand that if you're drafting now, okay, maybe he's going to be a potential starting running back for you on your fantasy roster. But there's also the realistic possibility that you may not know when to use him if Javante is on the field for week one. Then you just have to play it out for the first couple of weeks. Hey, do do either of you guys think that Samaje was signed because of what he did best in Cincinnati, even when Mixon was healthy, and that's play third downs? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And so if that's the case, and, and we know that Sean Payton loves to throw the ball to his running backs or at least dial up those plays, whether or not Russ actually does it remains to be seen. But th- I think there's 50 catches here. I, and and if he if Javante is not ready to go or if he gets hurt or gets off to a slow start, there there's a ton of upside here. Um, very happy to take P. Ryan, for example, ahead of Zach Charbonnet in drafts. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I can't see 50 catches if Javante's healthy, but I think it's within the realm of possibility if he misses the majority of the season. That's an interesting take. You're taking P. Ryan over Charbonnet. Yes. Jamie? I would also right now, yeah, but I, I think once we get to August, if Javante's off the pup list, I would take the upside of Charbonnet. Hmm. Jamie, we should really talk before the show. Once again, it seems like we have the same color on. Does it, does it make for a very visually pleasing? <laughs> yeah, the other day that we were a little different. You were red. I was. Orange. Yeah, yeah. It was he that I were red, and Jamie was orange. Um, all right. How about the next three guys? Interesting players: Rashad Penny, AJ Dillon, and Devon Achain, the rookie for the Miami Dolphins. Penny now with the Eagles. Dillon, of course, the Packers, and Achain for the Dolphins. They're all going 109th to 113th. So right there at the 9-10 turn, basically. And how would you guys rank them, Jamie? You can go first. Penny, Dillon, Achain. Dylan, A-Chain, Penny right now, but that can certainly change. Dave? Taking Dylan, A-Chain's right behind him, and then I've got P. Ryan in my PPR rankings, and then Penny right behind him. And the, each of these guys, they've got some pretty good strengths and some crazy high upside, but it's almost like all three of them, everything just has to go right. There's like a narrow pathway for them to absolutely nail uh, they're upside and be a top 15 fantasy running back this season. If both Dylan, I guess I might as well do all three. If all three of these guys, Penny, Dylan, and A-Chain, play a full season, who has the most carries? Dylan. Dylan. Who has the second most? Penny. Agreed. I just don't, I just can't get excited about drafting Devon A-Chain. I, I feel like he has two players to mm-hmm. leap. I, yeah. maybe, I feel like I maybe I, I, get that. I maybe have changed my opinion on this, but he's just so small. <laughs> he's so small. He's well, look, he he's already put on, I think, four pounds of muscle since being drafted. They clearly want to get him a little bit more hulked up uh, so that he can play. And he is he is blocked by two other running backs who know the system that they're running in Miami, but they're older guys and they don't have a chains. Well, I shouldn't say that. Mostert might have him beat on speed, but Jeff Wilson does not. Jeff Wilson is has pretty much devolved into a, you know, solid running back for the scheme that the Dolphins run. If A chain learns it quickly, and my guess is that he will, he's got a great one cut ability. He's just going to give them a whole new element to that offense. It's going to drive defenses bonkers, and he's got small hands, and he's not a big dude, but he can catch. And they can use them in the passing game and give them a, a whole new element that maybe they didn't necessarily want to rely on that much on a week-to-week basis with Wilson and certainly with Mostert. And you know the deal with Mostert, 31 years old. You know, you, you, you just, you know, you, you tap him on the knee like that and he's gone for four weeks. Jeff Wilson could also go down for several weeks. It leaves a great path for A-Chain. Um, but yeah, you are drafting him more so because of his talent and the, the system that he's in more than the opportunity that uh, we could project for him in week one. Okay, next group would be Damian Harris, Khalil Herbert, and Antonio Gibson. So we're still in round 10, maybe getting into round 11 here of a 12-team league. Damian Harris, 
now with the Bills, Khalil Herbert splitting with Deontay Foreman and maybe Rashawn Johnson for the Bears. And Antonio Gibson. We just heard that Ron Rivera says he wants to get Antonio Gibson more involved. So how do you guys rank these three? Harris, Khalil Herbert, and Antonio Gibson. Jamie. Um, Herbert for now, then Gibson, then Harris in PPR. Herbert, Gibson, Harris. And how about you, Dave? Herbert, Harris, Gibson, and Herbert is the highest ranked running back we've talked about today. Um, no, that's not true. We talked about Alvin Kamara. I've got Kamara higher than Herbert, but I've got him higher than Javante right now. Got him higher than everybody else that we've mentioned. Uh, I, I, I think that there's a lot of potential for him in Chicago. Uh, okay. What? Okay. Well, we're doing expectations and best case scenario. So why don't you do that for Khalil Herbert? I think the expectation is he's going to be the one a running back for Chicago. He doesn't deliver the same type of physicality that Foreman or Roshan Johnson can. I think he can compete as far as catches goes and, and maybe not necessarily get all of them. I don't even know if he necessarily plays on every third down for Chicago, because if it's third and short, they'll go with one of the bigger backs. If it's third and long, maybe it's Herbert because he can break plays because he's faster, but Roshan can catch the ball. It really might come down to how quickly Roshan adapts to Chicago's offense. And the better that Roshan does, obviously it's going to be terrible for Deontay Foreman, but it'll be bad for Herbert too. I'm thinking that there might be a bit of a learning curve for Roshan, partially because the Bears don't have to force it with him because they've got the other two backs. And Herbert is just so much different than those other two backs. Uh, I'm I am okay taking Herbert in round seven as if if you have to as a low end RB2, but preferably as a flex or a high end RB3. The best case scenario is that the Bears cut Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson messes up a few times as a rookie, and Khalil Herbert, who already had the two games last year with the most carries for the Bears, gets a lot more of those types of games. And then we're talking huge fantasy numbers. It would it would be fun to see Herbert do that. I'm I'm just getting more and more excited the things I'm hearing out of Chicago from Johnson. And he's becoming the one that I want to draft the most because he's going to go later than Herbert. And so I think that gives you just the the, the value of you know getting a piece of that backfield. Um, but it would not surprise me if Johnson's the best running back in Chicago. That's interesting because I, I think at a, there's a point in the draft where if you're getting Khalil Herbert in the 10th round, does it really matter if you're getting Roshan Johnson in the 12th I, I, round? I don't think that we are going to see Herbert going to 10th round. I think okay. Dave's draft round value for him is probably more realistic of what we'll see. But if there's going to be hype for Roshan Johnson, then there's a chance you might see both of those guys going round eight. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't think that's a problem to, you know, wait it out and see which one falls to a point where you're comfortable with. And, you know, it could be one of those situations where depending <laughs> on how you draft, you get both of them. Um, but yeah. I, I, I do think that there's going to be a little bit more buzz once we get to camp about Herbert yeah. um, until we start to hear a little bit more about what Roshan's doing. Uh, and then there's the one other small detail that we forgot to talk about in Chicago, which is Justin Fields potentially leading everybody in rushing because of what he's capable of doing with his leg. Yeah. And that obviously will take away some chances for all the running backs there. Yep. Yeah, it's true. You almost wonder if for a guy to really be good for fantasy, if he has to really emerge and kind of dominate the carries not saying 100% of the running back carries, but 80%. I don't know. Well, if you want, if you want a comparison, it's like th- this is not going to be take it for what it's worth, however you view him, not as good as what Miles Sanders was last year, you know, yeah, running, that's a good running quarterback where one guy dominated the carries, you know. So, this is going to be, you know, where they, they probably chop it up to whatever degree two guys, three guys, you know. I, I don't think they're cutting Foreman, uh, but I don't know if he's going to be, you know, in in the mix if Roshan's doing what he's capable of doing and, and Herbert as well. Khalil Herbert's played six games in his career with uh, out David Montgomery. He's had 18 or more carries in all six of those games. We'd love to love to see that, but doesn't really appear like that's going to be the case right now. Antonio Gibson is he kind of like Samaje P Ryan? Jamie, he had 46 catches, I believe, last year. In uh, let me see, get you the exact numbers. Forty six catches in fifteen games, a complimentary role in the running game was pretty much phased out by the end. But um, yeah, is, do you see similarities there for, between Gibson and Pirine? It's a fair comparison. You know, I I think it's going to be interesting to see what Eric Bieniemy does with Gibson. You know, knowing that 
it's a creative play caller coming from Kansas City. And, you know, as Heath would say, you know, how much credit does he get versus how much credit does Andy Reid get for some of those offensive formations and who's getting the ball? So we'll find out. You know, I think that's the reason to get somewhat excited about Gibson because he's definitely more of a pass catcher than Brian Robinson is. And so, you know, if Robinson stays healthy, he should dominate carries and, and goal line opportunities and all those things. But, you know, this could be the opportunity that Gibson's been, you know, waiting for to be sort of that Swiss Army knife in the backfield and be more involved in the passing game as, you know, a converted receiver and, you know, do some different things. And then if Robinson does get hurt, you know, maybe he gets back to carrying the ball a little bit more. But uh, he's, he's more, for me, like I said, more of a PPR option than anything else. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that he does, you know, challenge 40 plus catches, maybe 50 plus catches. This is, you know, receiving core that's got two very good receivers. And then, you know, some questions behind those guys, you know, depending on how you view Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas. So I, I think Gibson could end up being third in receptions on that team. All right. We're going to talk about some wide receivers and a few more running backs after a quick break here on fantasy football today. Stick around. We're back. It's Thursday. A quick programming reminder for you. Later today at 2 p.m. Eastern, I'll be recording Beyond the Box Score, the first one since the end of last season uh, with Jacob Gibbs and Dan Schneier. We're going to talk about some rookies, ones that uh, Jacob really wants to highlight, players that we haven't even spoken about on this show and maybe didn't even get much attention on the Dynasty show, some kind of deep sleeper rookies. Uh, But that's not it. We'll have a really fun show for you today. We'll probably revisit uh, the Twitter discussion about cold pizza. How do you guys feel about cold pizza? You eat it? Of course. Look how big I am. Of course I eat it. Uh, you heat it up. You never eat cold pizza. You heat it up. You're a civilized human being. It's disgusting. Sometimes yeah, I will take a bite or two of it cold and then heat it up. I've done that. It's just like it's staring at me, and I'm like, I don't think I can wait three minutes in the oven for you. I need <laughs> I need, I need or my 30 seconds in the microwave. No, come on. For a, a pizza no, I know. I put it in the microwave, you wouldn't do that. Anyway, well, if I'm in a hurry, I am. But if I have time, I'm doing the, you know, the fried pan trick. Yes. Yes. The stovetop is. is yes. Uh, anyway, cold pizza is disgusting. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have talk about some fun things on Beyond the Box Score. Make sure you check it out. If you're watching on YouTube right now, thank you as always. And please hit that like button. We'd appreciate it. Obviously, a lot of wide receivers going in this range. One that Jamie wanted to highlight was Nico Collins, and then shortly thereafter, Romeo Dobbs. Who do you prefer, Jamie, if you're going to take a late-round flyer on Nico Collins or Romeo Dobbs? Who's it going to be? It would be Nico, but it's close. You know, I think both these guys have the chance to be, you know, consistent number three receivers if they hit. Uh, I don't know how much more of a ceiling than they have than that, but we'll find out. You know, I mean, Nico should be the number one receiver going into the season for the Texans, and we'll just see how much he connects with C.J. Stroud. There's just... You know, not a lot of appealing options behind him. You know, we'll see if John Mechie can stay healthy, which would be the, you know, we'd love to see. And hopefully he can, you know, maybe take that role. But Robert Woods is 31. You know, the rest of the group there is just not inspiring, um, which is why I think there's reason to like Dalton Schultz still because of how his, you know, upside looks at at the tight end position. Uh, for, for Dobbs, look, he was, you know, arguably the Packers' best receiver through the first four weeks of the season last year while Lazard was battling through injuries and Christian Watson was dropping the ball. Then he got hurt and didn't really recover, but there's there's clearly lots to like about his situation as well. Just knowing that he should be the number two receiver opposite Watson until at least Jalen Reed, you know, becomes maybe a little bit more part of the offense. But obviously Matt Lafleur likes Dobbs a lot, so I think both these guys are in a similar spot. Um, if Jordan Love is that guy, then Dobbs should be better. If CJ Stroud is that guy, then maybe Nico Collins could be you know in a better spot. But you're talking about you know, cheap targets that you can find late in your draft. And if they, you know, materialize, you'll be pretty happy about it. I think I would just expand this to a broader conversation about wide receivers. Do you have any wide receivers that you typically target in this range? These are two for sure. Yeah. Collins and Dobbs, because I think Wandale Robinson goes later. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster's around 9, 10. Uh, Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice both Young Chiefs wide receivers are here. Kadarius Tony is not. I'm just not wondering anymore. if there's one that kind of Dave. Any anyone that rises to the top of the top of the crop? I am not a big fan of either Collins nor Dobbs. So I do have a short list of other receivers that I'll take ahead of them. For example, Sky Moore, you already mentioned, second year receiver. Maybe he's got a shot to really break out and have a much bigger role in the Chiefs offense. We already know about the guys that they've lost. Maybe he's the Juju replacement. I know they the Chiefs talked about Rasheed Rice as the guy that could replace Juju. That's interesting to me. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily saw Rasheed Rice in, in that type of like usage, but 
okay, you know, they're experts. I'm just watching here uh, from the sideline. But I do, I definitely like Sky Moore's game, and I think he's got a chance to do well. Uh, I'm still riding Isaiah Hodgins as a touchdown uh, needy wide receiver in New York. Just don't see him getting double teamed anytime soon. I wonder if there's just more upside for guys like Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers and even Mechie, um, Thielen, Sutton. I don't know if they're necessarily going in this range. Those guys might go a little bit higher because people recognize those names. But I'm I'm feeling those receivers more so than Collins, who I, I'm not sure if he's the best receiver in Houston. And I disagree that Houston doesn't really have anything great behind him. I'm a fan of Mechie. And I, I keep watching Tank Dell play, and I know that he's the size of, of Jerry from Tom and Jerry, but the, he, he is fast. He, he seems to be, at least on like out routes, like a good route runner. CJ Stroud really wanted him to be there. I know he's going to be involved on returns, but I, I wonder if Tank Dell uh, could end up being a, a decent factor in that offense, particularly because they're playing from behind, and I think he's more explosive than Nico Collins. And I, I love Dobbs at this time last year. I didn't like what I saw from him over the course of the season. If he can get his act together, then he's absolutely worth a pick in this round. But until I, I start to see that happen, uh, around 10 for me on Dobbs. What about the Carolina guys? Mingo and Thielen are basically back-to-back in wide receiver ADP. It's funny. It's like the Chiefs guys, Sky Moore, Rashi Rice, Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen are... 124, 128, hmm. 131, and 136 overall. Which team is the better investment there? You know, it's, I would honestly say the Panthers because you I, would. well, I don't think that you, you have Kelsey, obviously. You have Tony. And we have a whole year of last year where the wide receiver, Juju was the only one that was reliable, and that was for half a season. And MVS is still there. MVS barely barely left the field last season. He's still a factor, not a fantasy relevant one. I think if you're talking about which one of these guys has a chance to emerge as a number three wide receiver, I actually would I actually would make the case that it's one of the Panthers guys ahead of those two specific Chiefs guys. I mean, with through Tony in the mix, it'd be different. But ahead of Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, that's my take. The 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 argument's easier for Moore just because he's been through the system for a year and what you're hearing from, from them, you know, and, and kind of what the off season has told us about the receiving core, you know, barring a potential DeAndre Hopkins trade. I think though, you're right, Adam, in terms of Rishi Rice versus the Panthers guys, because yeah. Sky Moore didn't have very many opportunities and even Kadarius Tony, you know, I know there was some injuries involved there, but you know, it took him a little bit of time to get comfortable. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't a significant factor. So learning that system is, is, is tough. And so, Maybe Rice picks it up quickly and he, he gets an opportunity to play in, in whatever role, you know, Juju's role, um, you know, the, the 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 Justin Watson role, you know, whatever opportunities he's going to get, you know, he, he takes advantage of it. But I do think that uh, Mingo and Thielen, they're going to get targets and they're going to get targets right away. You know, I mean, maybe not Mingo as much if he doesn't, you know, grasp the offense quickly, but Thielen should be in theory, their best receiver. Now you're counting on a guy at 31 to be successful. So I understand why you might avoid that. Uh, but if you think Mingo is going to ch- got a chance to play, and I think a lot of people feel that way that have been following the situation, then he's somebody I think that you should take maybe even ahead of Sky Moore as well. Right. I was going to say there's a bit of a difference between the way the question was, was asked and the way I'd rank them. It was which situation would you rather have? And I, I do think that when you look at Moore, Rice, Mingo, Thielen, you have a I think a better chance of getting a, a reliable starter out of the Panthers group. But who's my favorite of the four? I know Rasheed Rice would be fourth. I know Thielen would be third. It's tough between Sky Moore and Mingo. I, I actually think I'd go with Mingo, but how about you guys? How would you rank those four? I would take the chance on Moore first just because of his you know opportunity with Patrick Mahomes. But I would go Moore, Mingo, Thielen, Rice. I believe I have Thielen over Mingo, and it's boring, and it's annoying, and I hate it, but if Thielen stays healthy, I would imagine that he still sees more targets and catches and yards than Mango. Maybe oh, the Mango. But how would you – but, but what about Sky Moore and, and Rushy Rice? More, it's a chief sandwich. More okay. Thielen, Mingo, Rice. Actually, I would say that's a Panther sandwich. 
Oh, I see. Because the Panthers are inside. Yeah. Well, what are the buns made of? <laughs> well, do you ever have a sandwich, like a ham and cheese sandwich? You go, oh, I'm having a bread sandwich. No, <laughs> you say what's in the middle. I love bun burgers. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a bit of a wide receiver discussion. Let's talk about Roshan Johnson, Deontay Foreman. You think Johnson should be going ahead of Foreman? 100%. Dave? Uh, sh- sure. Uh, Devin Singletary. Should he be going ahead of both of them? Uh, I would take Johnson ahead of Singletary, Singletary ahead of Foreman. I've got Singletary behind both of them. I'm just not excited. And it sucks because I actually, I kind of, I liked the talent at FAU and we, we've seen him, you know, just like create space on demand in Buffalo. He just never got the opportunity to really, well, I guess he did get the opportunity to take off and I guess he didn't do that well with it because he's eh, not there. He did pretty well. Remember the last four yeah, games? Yeah, I remember, playoffs, but he did so well that they didn't really give him that much of an opportunity the year after, but, and and I'm not optimistic that Houston's going to give him a big opportunity. Look, you're banking on Damian Pierce sucking or getting hurt and Singletary taking off with a huge workload for the Texans makes me a little nervous that that's a likely scenario, but I'm not drafting at this point round 12 plus at at this point in the draft, these guys are, I get it. These guys have to, these guys are not going to be, most likely, are not going to be anything significant for your fantasy team unless there's an injury in front of them. So wouldn't you rather have the guy who's competing with one player than the guy who might be competing with two players in that Bears backfield? I mean, it's it certainly could be that way. With all these guys, you're putting them on your bench to start the season, and you're crossing your fingers that an opportunity comes up. Okay. At least in the case of the Bears guys, they, they might get some touchdowns early on. But I, I think there's a pretty good chance that by the time you get to week four, you're going to need to make some moves. There's going to be some of that you like on the waiver wire, and you'll bite the bullet and cut Singletary. You might cut Foreman if Roshan Johnson's a thing anyway. And if Roshan's not a thing, you're cutting him and moving on. That's what you do with late-round picks that you don't really of course. like. put the time to think of, okay, I'm going to be patient with them. Remember the you asked me, like, what's the one thing that I want to move forward with? thing I learned, a lesson learned from the 2022 season. Well, I want to be patient with the guys I take late. I don't want to be patient with Devin Singletary. I've been patient for three years with Devin Singletary. Yeah, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to be patient. If Damian Pierce gets hurt and Singletary is on the waiver wire, he's going to be the most added player in fantasy. Of course. There's no doubt about it. Of course, of course. And and if if Khalil Herbert gets hurt, I think you're going to have a split between Foreman and Johnson. Yeah, I, I think in terms of draft capital, like I'm, I'm going to right now because August is going to change so, several of these situations. You know, I mean, Foreman can end up being the best running back in Chicago. We don't know. So I, I'm going to take the chance on Roshan Johnson because I think Foreman, you know, profiles more as a guy that they would like to keep in a reserve role and use him if needed. I think Singletary is a very similar situation. Damian Pierce should be the best running back in Houston. But I agree with you 100%, Adam. You'd rather have the situation where there is a clear-cut backup as opposed to right now where there's three guys fighting for the job. Unless you have a certain inclination that one guy can win the job, which is why I would give Roshan Johnson a nod over Deontay Foreman, and I would go Johnson, Singletary, Foreman in that order. How did you feel? I honestly don't remember. How did you feel about the uh, the Deontay Foreman signing when it happened before Roshan, Roshan Johnson was on the team? Oh, I was I was encouraged by it. You know, this is a guy that's, you know, proven himself whenever he's gotten an opportunity, whether it was in, you know, Carolina when, you know, Christian McCaffrey got hurt or last year or in Tennessee, you know, when he got those opportunities as well. You know, I, I just think, you know, it's it's a situation where he's bounced around the league for a reason. He's a very good, reliable option, but he's just not somebody I think that they want to have to rely on if, if they don't need to. So I, I think, as Dave said, I agree, you know, that they're going to give the, the first shot to you know, Khalil Herbert, but if Johnson proves to be a very significant player for them, whether it's, you know, now in, in mini camp or, you know, training camp when things are really, you know, on the line, then he could end up being the lead running back there just because Khalil Herbert's been the number two guy for a reason behind David Montgomery. All right, let's go rapid fire here on the rest of this list and give me quick thoughts on Jeff Wilson, 165th overall. 
Excellent value for a guy that might be as high as an RB2 in September for your team. And Wandale Robinson, 178. Could be the best receiver for the Giants if he's healthy and ready to go by week one. And uh, Philadelphia running back Kenneth Gainwell. Decent depth because we know that he's been in that system for a while. And can he can he's like a jack of all trades, master of none. And if they end training camp and Penny's hurt and Swift is hurt, who do you think's playing running back for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, unfortunately, he has two players to leapfrog now. So obviously, the the draft day trade was not a good one for Gainwell, the one of DeAndre Swift. But he might be the he might have the best like body of the three. And there's so limited investment in Penny that it's it's worth taking a shot on Gainwell if you're late in your draft. Uh, John Mechie, Dave, you talked about him earlier. You like him, one ninety one. Love him, love him. I expect a a nice first year for him. Good hands, good quickness, um, master out of the slot. Would not surprise me if he led the Texans in targets, catches, and yards. Rams running back. Oh, by the way, John Mechie, 14-team leagues or 12-team leagues? 12. Yeah, I'd say both. Okay. Rams running back Zach Evans, Jamie. 10 even. Uh could be the uh, backup running back, should probably be the backup running back to Cam Akers, and we know Akers has had some injury concerns in his past and obviously some concerns with his coaching staff as well. So great late-round flyer, especially if you're taking a lottery ticket approach. Jets running back Israel Abinakanda. Dave. He's favorite player of all time. Is he? <laughs> I mean, he certainly hasn't ranked very high. <laughs> he's, um, he's talented. He's a talented player. Very talented. He's stuck behind Brees Hall. If Brees Hall is not ready to go at the start of the season, uh, Abana Kanda will help you win some weeks. If he's the number two guy, though, that's you know the thing that we got to find out. You know, they still have Zonovan, who they like, and they still have Michael Carter on the roster too. So yeah, you they've know, got a good running back group. It's a uh, it's it's a crowded backfield behind Brees Hall. So I I don't see a a clear path to carries even if or touches even if there is no Brees Hall. I don't see a clear path to a lot of touches, but. Do either of you see a path to maybe eight touches a game for a Banacanda? This is a coaching if staff that likes to use Hall is healthy. Even no, if Brees Hall is healthy. Honestly, no. No, I don't. Eight. eight is the bar. No? Okay. I feel like he doesn't no. really, well, look, I don't know, but I feel like if Brees Hall is healthy, then he doesn't play. Michael Carter plays a little bit, and Brees Hall plays most of it. It could be that, too. I would think. Uh, this is what Chris Chapasso said about Israel Abanacanda, who was a fifth-round pick of the Jets. Electric burner who's subtly elusive, can really go, will hit home runs at the NFL level. Thick frame, awesome selection as a lightning option to Brees Hall. He gave it an A. He really liked that pick. It's a, it is a good pick. Uh, wide receiver Tim Patrick for Denver. Jamie. I mean, look, you're talking about a guy that was very talented before he suffered an ACL tear, and you know who knows what the Broncos are going to end up doing as the season unfolds with their receiving core of Judy and Sutton and maybe a potential trade that still may unfold. So not a bad dart throw, even with the addition of Marvin Mims. And Clyde Edwards-Elair, Dave, 227th overall. So this is going to be like <laughs> your very last pick. This is the type of player that's worth a, a last pick and not being patient with. Where you draft him, uh, this this is what you do in best ball right now. You definitely take Clyde Edwards Hilaire with one of your last picks now, and between May and August, does he get traded? You know, do the Chiefs move on from? Does he go to Washington? Is is there an injury somewhere else? And Clyde gets another opportunity. Uh, there, we know that there's some untapped potential with Edwards Hilaire that the Chiefs couldn't somehow get out of him. I I like this as a late pick in best ball. By the time we get to August, who knows what we'll be saying about him. It's it's one of those things also with, you know, I, I know the, the headline is Chiefs decline fifth year option on Clyde Edwards there. Makes total sense. Why would they pick up the fifth year option on on a pick that they wasted, you know, with the first round selection in the NFL draft? But all they did was bring back Jarek McKinnon. And so Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round pick in the NFL draft. He's gotten some surgeries this offseason. We could see Clyde in a very prominent role early for the Chiefs if Pacheco struggles. I know McKinnon is going to have his role in the passing game, but would not be surprising at all if, if CEH is, is more relevant than we think. 
Last player on the list, Minnesota running back Dwayne McBride, a seventh-round selection out of UAB. And Chris Trapasso said could be one of the biggest steals in the class. Um, did anybody draft McBride? Yes, probably not. We're waiting for a Cook trade, I assume. No, I think uh, yes, might have been Dan took Ty Chandler. Yep, he did. Okay. Yeah, that was in round 13 of our Superflex draft. I took Madison in round 10, which he will obviously not be there if Cook is gone. Then you know what? I'm going to I'm going to throw one more name in there because it was my pick and it was around 14 and it was a great pick and it was Raheem Mostert. And I took Jeff Wilson in round 12 and or round 11 and Raheem Mostert in round 14. And that was by the way a super running back league. friendship strategy. Running back friendship strategy. Those guys were pretty good for fantasy. It's a terrific offense and I thought they went too late. So I was surprised cuz you know we're doing our magazine outlook so I have the Dolphins um, and you know Dave brought this up. You know how many games Raheem Mostert missed last year? Two. One. One. You know how many games Jeff Wilson missed with the Dolphins last year? One. I want to say one, left but one it might early. be none. He missed, he missed one, and, and Mostert missed one. Now, they left a couple of games early, but they were re- Mostert obviously relatively healthy for the majority of the season. And um, it's that, you know, when you, you said it early, Adam, and then you asked about A-Chain, you know, that is going to be one of the more – successful offenses with frustrating backfields that we're going to see this season because you, you want a piece of it. You know, I think you alluded to that system should be great. Um, a chain does not profile at least on paper as a 20 touch guy. And so we'll see how they use him. You know, he, he feels like going in an eight touch type of player until there's an injury. If there is one that unfolds for those other two guys and how those eight touches are sort of distributed. But I think, you know, if you're looking at it and probably we're going to end up seeing it because of how, the people in our jobs will will say this across the industry. Uh, A-Chain's the one you want. A-Chain's the one you want to target. He's the younger guy. He's the one that has the most upside, blah, blah, blah. But Wilson and Mostert, I think if they stay healthy, will probably out-carry him and get those high-level touches that probably matter a little bit more because I just don't think they throw the ball to the running backs. Whether it wasn't necessarily the offense in San Francisco and it's not necessarily what we saw from Tua. So the receptions, I think, could be frustrating. It's a matter of, you know, will A-Chain break some of these long runs and it's very very annoying by the way that they still have miles gaskin and savon Ackman on the team you, know, you want to talk about a good backfield they have a very good depth from their backfield i think without a lead singer you know that kind of uh, approach to it like there's just quality players there that i would love to see them get rid of somebody maybe put somebody on another team that we could look at as one of these lottery ticket type of guys because i think if gaskin got an opportunity he could be decent i think if ahmed same thing could be decent you'd love to see maybe one of the other 49ers you know retreads be in a situation where they can maybe get some opportunities to free up some time for a chain. But um, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all, Adam. I think taking one of the two, you know, I don't know if you want to, you know, tie yourself into both of them, but one of Wilson or Mostert just because they're free on draft day is not a bad idea at all. And Mostert first eight games of the year, there was no Jeff Wilson on the dolphins. Mostert had at least 10 PPR points in half of the games. I know that's not a huge number, but you're drafting a guy late. And you might start him for the first week of the season. Maybe he gets you 10 PPR points in half the games. Wilson, uh, let me see how many games he had at least 10 in with the dog. Yeah, it was, uh, he played 80 at five, 10 plus games. Remember at the beginning of the year, they had Chase Edmonds, who was, you know, doing basically nothing, but had 12 carries in week one. Um, All right, that's it for today's show. Good stuff. Thank you to Dave and Jamie. Thank you to all of you for watching and listening. We have Beyond the Box score coming up later today on YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. It will publish on Friday. Have a great weekend. We're going to talk to you before then. See you.